Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, it's Travis. Very brief announcements today, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Krista and Kelly did such great jobs, and Izzy's art is really special for this one, too. I am very excited to announce our latest sticker artist. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Manx underscore Moss. That's Manx with an X. Moss has been making lovely art in the community for a while now. You may have seen her hotel fanfic floating around online. It's called Birdcage, and while I've only read the first chapter myself, it seems to be very well loved, so check that out too. As is Moss's art, which is why in addition to the Patreon stickers, we are going to be adding an original Moss sticker design to the regular merch store as well. We're hoping to do the same with all of our new sticker artists moving forward, so look out for that. Okay, I promised a brief announcement, and I think I'm pushing the boundaries of good faith here, so stay tuned after the credits for more Patreon shoutouts, and as always, thanks for listening. How do I look? Pretty great, huh? I was going for sort of a brutal art deco sort of thing. Industrial, urban, metropolitan without being crummy about it. I just love the hustle and bustle of city life. So loud and fizzy, everyone running around yelling, singing, bumping into each other, bumping off of each other, all stuffed in between the immovable concrete reality they forced on themselves. And they even put these cute little bodegas in everywhere. You can buy anything in there. Don't worry, dear. I'm not going to make you work a counter. I like you right where you are. Behind the front desk. It can get pretty busy. You might find yourself a little buried under the constant stream of people and noise. Shh. Shh, 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 shh. Listen. Can't hear it, can you? Eight million people and hundreds of thousands of cars and trucks. The whole world compressed into a speck of nearly nothing. Concentrated humanity, accelerated and vibrant, bursting with flavor. You'd hate it. So, I've kept the lobby soundproof, and that's why the window's up there, see? I kept them small and high. I mean, it's not like the sunlight can get in anyway, right? Because of all the buildings. I guess you can't see windows so small and high. But look how much space we have in here. So clean. No chairs or couches. Just the desk and all this space. 
gray stone and smooth concrete. Go ahead. Run your hand on the desk. No, not like that. Like this. Nice, right? Those black doors over there that look like polished onyx are the elevators. And the insides, all mirrored walls and dim lighting. Very classy. Do you want to go see? You can check your reflection, see how nice you look in your white uniform. It really makes you pop against the dull colors and simple forms of the rest of me. No? Sure? Okay, your call. I don't know if you fully appreciate the aesthetic lengths I go to sometimes. That lobby boy has a little more imagination. You fill each other's gaps so well. He's over there. You can't see it. The supply closet door looks just like the wall. Isn't that neat? See that section on the end? You push and it pops open. I'm fancy today. And that means rich. And rich people don't like seeing the help. They like being helped, though. Boy, howdy do they ever. Today, you're helping. Actually, let's get you your thing. How we doing back there? Button, button, who gets the button? Ah, great. His name's Carl Larp. Carl. He's new in town. Fresh off the turnip truck. Got an exciting new job and He's flown in to finalize some new apartment stuff for his family. They're coming out next week. Or they were. I guess they still could, but Carl isn't going to have that apartment lined up. <laughs> oh my. Hey, do you think when he gets up there, he'll think all big city hotel rooms have moving walls? I mean, obviously, he'll stop trying to figure it out once the faces start pushing through and the door vanishes, but... Like maybe for a second, he'll think, oh, huh, that's not how they do it at the Tall Grass Inn, or whatever. <laughs> okay, here, you hold on to that. I don't think we need the lobby boy for this one. What do you think? Just us girls, huh? Yeah? Yeah, it'll be fun. It's almost a shame. He looks like such a nice young man in his clean white suit. Huh. I can feel him in there. Even now. Like this. Carl isn't going to have many bags. He won't need help, won't take help. He's one of those old-fashioned types, likes to do it all on his own. I've seen inside his mind, though. And he is just as lost and afraid as the rest of them. You take my word for it, dear. They are the lot of them lost and afraid. Well, most of them. He's afraid of letting his family down, letting himself down, afraid of the poorhouse, afraid of falling behind and getting trampled. He's also afraid of snakes, heights, and public speaking. <laughs> it's funny. He's not at all worried about being lost in a one-room maze while faces he almost recognizes bite and yell at him. It's never the things they're looking out for, is it? Never the things they think they have to worry about. The things they try to control. Nothing quite so funny as a person with an umbrella, is there? No? Well, I've never accused you of having a sense of humor, dear. I'm funny enough for the both of us, eh? 
<laughs> Take the lobby door, for example, the revolving door that never stops revolving. If you stay in that wedge, you could end up right back where you started or go back outside. A normal door doesn't work like that. A normal door opens and you pass through or let someone else through or just stay outside. A revolving door locks you in. You start in your little private glass wedge and it spits you right out. But see, and this is the funny part, dear, this revolving door doesn't let you out. It never stops spinning. But no matter what, they have to come inside. Get it? Do you? You don't. You don't get it. The joke is they think they control is what they do in the door, but I control where they go. No matter what, I have the control. Now, my dear, you may think that's only true because I am the door and the lobby and the everything, but I promise you, Carl Lahr has carried an umbrella and still gotten wet long before today. Do you see? Hmm. Well, maybe you'll see when he gets here. Ma'am, if I may, the shock of seeing... You could upset the guest if they... And what's wrong with me? I can't help? I can't assist with a simple check-in? There's quite a bit of blood, and we still... Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Guests come in injured or bleeding sometimes. He can't write his name down and take himself to a room without having a breakdown because I have a little crack in my skull. He's a grown man. I'm sure he's seen his share of blood. You aren't going to look so hot yourself before long. Should I spray paint your skin back on when it rots off just because it might upset some weak-stomached man? It's fine. He'll be here soon, and he'll get checked in like... like they all do. Mostly, he's excited to check out the nightlife here. He thinks his kids will like the park. He hopes he won't have to introduce himself to everyone in a meeting. He won't ever go home again, though. Something awful found him. We found him. He's coming. You know, I am kind of surprised at this attitude, young lady. I expect it from the boys, but it has been one problem after the other since I got here, and I have to remind you that I only came down here in the first place because of staff issues. I thought maybe you just needed some support, a little shoring up to help snap them in line, but you say you can't even perform your basic duties unless I leave? No. No, I'm afraid not. I'm going to have to oversee this personally. You check Carl in and... No, you know what? I'll check him in and you can watch. It's not that complicated. Just a little how do you do. Some small talk, chuck a key at his head and bam, done. Here, move over actually. Stand over here. No, on this side. Yeah, right. Look, see. If I stand like this... He can hardly even see the blood. Now, you pay attention, dear. You might just learn something. Hello, ladies. Uh, is, uh, sorry, you're open, right? 
Yes, sir. Come on over here. Watch your step. We had a spill in the lobby. And somebody got a little carried away with the paint, huh? Looks like a... Oh! Hey! Hey, are you okay? Oh, my God. I'm fine, Carl. Just fine. Let's get you checked in. Uh, how do you know my name? We're your hotel for the night, madam. Shh. Is she okay? Are you sure... It's okay, Carl. Come here. Sign the guest book. No, I'm... You're hurt. You're bleeding. We have to call an ambulance. No, Carl. I'm fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I think... Come here. I should go get you both some help. No. No, no, no. You're staying here. I'm checking you in. Checking you in. Checking you in. Hey, this is Travis with a brief ad break. Thanks for listening. Now back to the hotel. Madam Hotel says she likes the city. She likes the activity. She's a people person. Now more than ever. She likes the city so much, she brought it inside just a little. Slate gray and flecked concrete, floor to ceiling. A building turned inside out so it could get a good look at itself. So she could get a good look at herself. And either because she thinks the city is violent and dangerous, or because she herself is violent and dangerous. My concrete lobby is stained red with blood. It doesn't seem to dry, and never stops flowing from her misshapen head, like something poisonous flashing bright colors to warn away predators. But red liquid violence and the animated dead will only warn the prey that the predators are here. No, not warn. A warning implies prevention. Anyone standing in my lobby has passed through the jaws already. They scream and struggle and still dissolve and die. It's all they can do. It's hotel policy. Impassable, immutable. Defying comprehension in its horrifying simplicity. It allows nothing for the mind to hold on to, no hope for the heart to look to, and does not yield to bone, blood, or flesh. It's an empty gray lobby with four doors and no choices. A revolving door to nowhere. Mr. Larp may have chosen to walk through that door, just as the lobby boy is choosing to stay behind his but that doesn't change the fact that they are both exactly where the hotel wants them to be because she wants them there. They'll have some time to figure out what that means to them. If it robs them of their will, or if their choices brought them to consequence, so will the owner. So will I. Nobody is going anywhere. Nobody is going to move. In fact, 
nobody is even going to breathe. Because with a stomp of her foot and a fist on the bell, Madame Hotel has turned all the air, all the empty space everywhere, into solid wood. It's dark. Not the comforting, pressing dark of your bedroom at the end of a busy day, not the soothing, inviting dark of the night unpolluted by traffic and street lamps, not even the unsettling darkness of creeping shadow that invites your worst fears to manifest in hazy corners, smiling until you see them. This is perfect, complete, and defining. This is the heartbreak that changes you. The injury that never heals. When you see it, you feel like you're seeing something forbidden. Something you thought got left behind. Something primal. It's seeing something so inexplicable that forever forward you might listen a little more closely when you hear the floor creak at night. It's dark like the bottom of the ocean is dark. And like the ocean floor, this darkness too comes with crushing power. The wood is pressed against our skin. It flattens our clothes and hair. It scrapes at our eyes. I can feel it between my fingernails. In my nose. My ears. If my mouth had been open like Mr. Larp's was, I know it would be in there too. Not that I'd be able to breathe if my head was free. The wood isn't just pressed against me. It's holding me. Holding us in place. There's no room for ribs or stomachs to expand. Nothing to push into or off of. Muscles can't flex or wiggle. Blood can barely flow. And I can already feel my extremities aching. The absolute denial of movement is not something often experienced. It doesn't take long to die this way, but it feels like it. First comes the initial gush of chemical panic from your body. Your nervous system is drenched, but you can't even hurt yourself trying to thrash free. Can't distract yourself with a surge of adrenaline and activity. There is nothing to fight, nowhere to fly, and you will never even understand why. You're at a pool party as a child, and the splashing fun gets a little out of hand. You're kicking underneath a clutch of pool floaties and struggling to resurface. You can't find your way up through the tangle of legs and laughter. Everyone's too busy playing to notice you haven't come up. Something like panic sets in, and you scratch and scrabble your way up through the bodies of people you barely know. You breach, but now you're standing in the desert. Looking for something, there are others looking too. You don't know what it is or who they are. You take a step off the dune, but it's soft and collapses under you. When you land, you land waist-deep in the velvet-shifting sands. 
Above you, the dune continues to collapse, and right before it buries you, you have time to think they won't even notice I'm missing until I'm already dead. Not that they'd know where to start looking. In the surprisingly cool sands, buried ten feet deep, you fight and churn and crawl with everything you have, grabbing handfuls of sand and kicking off. All you manage to do is readjust yourself in place. Sand falls into your throat, dripping down through your nose. Your body tries to cough it out before you think to stop it, and the sand rushes into your mouth and there is no way to push it back out. Hurry, you think. No time, you think. Almost there, you hope. You push yourself out, coughing and gasping for air. You hit your head on something soft and hard. Wood, covered in satin. When you reach out for it, your hands bump into it again before you've even hooked your elbows. Your toes kick it weakly, but there isn't enough room to get any force behind it. On all sides, surrounded. Locked in your coffin, six feet underground. You shout and pound and kick and scream, but you can tell from how loud and flat your voice rings that no one can hear you. You push the lid, but it doesn't budge. You scratch until the satin is in ribbons, then you scrape until your fingers are too. Ragged and bloody fingernails rain down to your face, but the wood doesn't splinter enough to break through. In fact, the wood seems to be getting stronger and closer. It presses in around you, crushing you, until you can't even vocalize your aching, wailing terror anymore. You are never in the pool. Or the desert. Even buried alive and screaming at the lid of your coffin is a wild fantasy compared to where you are. You're locked, tip to toes, in hard, polished cherry wood. You thought you were in a super city, itself alive with potential and humanity and bodegas where you can buy anything. You thought you were in a picturesque lobby, the kind you hoped would be on a postcard to send home to the family. You thought you were standing in a concrete room with two women who were going to help you, or who maybe even needed help themselves. But you're not. You are in a level of pain you never imagined. You're in kinds of pain you never imagined. And you're feeling a very special set of panicked fears and emotions. The kind most will only feel once. The kind few have survived to explain. If you could, I think you'd agree, Mr. Larp, that the rift between words and experience is vast indeed. I feel myself shrink away from the confines of my wooden womb. Just a little. Like a tooth wiggling itself free after years of rotten neglect. Not enough to move, 
or even to let out a single breath, but enough to know time is short now. For all of us. We are the lucky ones here. Our bodies waste and decompose each night, and tonight it serves me. Us. My hand withers, and I can wiggle my fingers. Elsewhere, not far but beyond my help, my lobby boy must be working his way loose inside the hole left for him by Madame Hotel's executive decision. He must be coming to pieces in there, joints and fingers dislodging, piling up in awkward stacks in his closet. My body bloats, pressing itself inward harder against the wood, then deflates again as my liquefying loss empties and pools around me, nearly filling the space below my neck. I can almost curl up in here now. My head remains locked, skin rubbing off my skull roughly as I rot. In my private office, the owner is hanging like a suit on a skeletal coat rack inside the cavity his full form created for him there. He could have left. Even if Madame Hotel had filled herself inside and out, rooms to rooftop with wood, he could have gone to his void. But she wants him there. And to rot here, to rot elsewhere. Well, the umbrella doesn't stop the rain. The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Witten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum-Drake. Thank you for listening, and thank you, patrons, for helping support the show and keep it alive. Thank you, Dom, Alden Obar, Shinji Pild, Danielle Parker, Mag Blanchard, Candlespade, Trundle Manor, Chantel, LJS Arts, Creepip, Dismal, Lee Too, Saskovat, Nate Thiel, Pigeon Rock, Luca Cubbage, Starscream, Glitch, Salem, The Shy Reader, Craptastic Artist, Redacted, Alan B., Jonathan Humard, and Thurius. Uh, as always, apologies and respect to anyone whose name I mispronounced. And fun fact, the sand dune part of this episode came from an actual nightmare I had once.